With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Gloria Martinez produced for others for years before she stepped out on her own and founded her Paris-based podcasting company, Studio Ochenta. Whether you've listened to her award-winning fiction podcast, Mija, or each season explores the story of a different immigrant family, or La Camina Telefónica, Spotify's first bilingual podcast starring Fanny Lu and Isabella Gomez, you know that Lori's commitment to multicultural storytelling runs deep. Lori shares how she makes audio magic happen, how living and operating a business in France has shifted her hustle mentality, and the life-changing moment when she realized that a skill she had long undervalued was, in fact, her superpower. Lori, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> Lori, there is a thing that our good friend Juleka says, which is, look, I'm from the Bronx. And sometimes she'll say, look, I'm Dominican from the Bronx. <laughs> if you were to say, look, I'm Colombian from Queens, what is it you'd be trying to tell me with that revelation? Anybody who asked me about why I do multicultural things, that would be the answer. Because Queens is the most diverse place ever. There's 800 languages there. We don't have 800 languages at Ochenta, but maybe one day. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's definitely the context that I grew up in, and that is who I am. And that's all, everything that we do at, at Ochenta is from there. What were the earliest indicators that you were a storyteller and that audio was going to be your preferred medium? One of the things that inspired me the most to tell stories was my grandfather, who was an editor at El Tiempo in Colombia. He was covering reporting the Amazon 
region. So he would go out on reporting trips for, you know, two to three days and talk about the indigenous tribes that are still there and bring back that news to the capital, essentially. And he would tell me about those trips when I was visiting Bogota. And I went to journalism school. I went and did that path to follow in his footsteps. Ultimately decided on audio by a trick of fate, actually. I was Accepted into a school, but I was kind of disappointed that they didn't have a very specific, you know, journalism track. It was like English rhetoric or something. And I was kind of worried that I didn't have the right school path, that I was going to end up maybe changing what I thought I was destined to do. I decided to travel a bit and I went to visit an aunt who lives in London. And the person next to me on the plane turned out to be a reporter for BBC Radio 4. And she said, why don't you shadow me while you're here in London? And it was my first exposure to audio. And I got to interview, I didn't interview directly, but I got to be in this room to speak to Pedro Almodóvar, the Spanish director. And it was my first work experience was being in the room when BBC Radio 4 was interviewing this man. And did you find yourself heavy breathing? <laughs> oh my God, I was heavy breathing. But not only that, it was actually the first time that I felt like my Spanish was worth something. Because so much of my youth had been spent kind of being... Not necessarily ashamed, but not necessarily seeing the value of being bilingual in professional spaces, in school spaces, you know, trying to avoid having an accent, all of these things. Spanish was my first language. Even though I was born in New York, my parents spoke to me in Spanish growing up. And so when I was in this work experience in London, I was the only person in the office that spoke Spanish that day. <laughs> and that's why I got invited to be, you know, a facilitator for this interview that they were doing with this very famous director. And it was like the first time I realized this is a superpower. If I don't use this, if I don't use the fact that I'm bilingual, then I'm dumb. I'm not going to get very far. Like This is going to be the thing that helps me stand out. That story both affirms and breaks my heart, Lori. <laughs> Do you produce audio for others for years, for some big name outlets? Can you take me back to the moment when you realize what you really want is to found and run your own studio? Yes, it was a podcast festival. So backtracking to 2015. So I came to Paris in 2015 for a master's degree and I wanted to become an international journalist. And so for years I was working in this space as a freelance journalist, as a podcast producer for other journalists or other outlets here in France. And I was like doing it very solo. I guess I didn't feel like there were other people like me kind of going through the experience of being independent like this in Europe. And I started to kind of research and like try to find community. And I joined a couple of Facebook groups and went to my first ever like podcast festival. It was like an audio festival called the Hearsay Festival in Kilfinnan, Ireland. There were folks from Radiotopia there. There were a ton of producers from all over, you know, the BBC, all producing, you know, fascinating podcasts. And all of them struggling with this questioning around self-doubt, which for some reason inspired me a lot because I was feeling like I was solo and that I didn't have maybe the right to even try because I was like first-gen daughter of immigrants. You're hustling. That's all you can do. Like, you're not going to start a company. Like, you, you can't. You can't do that. Seeing the people that I admire actually asking themselves a lot of the same questions gave me the strength to be like, you know what? If everybody is doubting themselves, why don't we all just try? <laughs> why can't I give myself that chance? Why can't I dare to do something different and 
make something more than just me by myself. I came back from that festival and I had already kind of been drafting Miha, but like I wasn't sure if it was going to be what it was. Like I've been drafting it like a documentary and I wasn't sure if that was the right format. I wasn't really sure of myself. But when I came back, I wrote it in like two months. Like I wrote the whole thing. And then I published it in September. And I thought it wasn't going to be the podcast that got attention for Chanta. I worked with some influencers to do some other originals on the channel and really just to kind of show that I was able to produce cross-culturally and also multilingually. But something about that show, and I think because I really put my heart and soul into it, drew a lot of attention and we were able to get press for it and awards and things that I'd never dreamed of having in my life. And it gave me the strength to also say, wow, we have the space for this kind of story. I'm going to build a platform with it and I'm going to give this space to other people. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swathers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swathers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swathers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. I don't want to overshadow your first baby with your most recent baby, but I do want to talk about La Cabina Telefónica, which growing up in Union City, New Jersey, I remember when all of a sudden Bergeline Avenue became flooded with these spots where folks could call back home. We forget that before cell phones and before WhatsApp, it was actually not easy to communicate with folks back home. Do you have a personal connection to this? Was there a memory in your mind that was the genesis of this story? Yes. So I grew up in Jackson Heights in Queens. I would remember going to these cabinas to make phone calls to Colombia. And most of my family was still in Bogota at the time. I remember the woman at the counter was always like, 
beautiful and I would admire her nails. Like I could really picture the space of going in there, hearing the music playing. They always had like a, a TV or a radio playing in the background. There's always like a, a bachata video going on or something. And you would go into the cabina and it would either be really small and cramped or there'd be a little bit of space with a chair. And being the three of us trying to go in, it was me, my mom and my brother. And it was like a ritual. We would go once a week once or twice a week to do this. And it was a way of connecting to home. And I remember the walls of these cabinas were so thin and you could hear everything other people were saying. And so like you'd exit and you'd be like curious to like hear what other people were talking about a little bit. And so in finding the idea for the cabina, I was like, well, if we were to make a, you know, a show around something like that, this is the perfect place. The owner would be a main character and then you'd have all of these people coming in to make their phone calls and they could be phone calls about literally anything We asked you to send your favorite clip from the show and like a proud parent, you sent like 17 because you could not choose. But I'm going to ask you, choose one and tell us what it is. Give us a little bit of context for what it is we're listening to. Sure. So Mati Cardona is the owner of La Cabina, Mati's Llamadas y Servicios 82. And she runs a shop with her daughter, Rossi. So you'll hear her and her daughter kind of talking Mati is always looking for love. And she also has a very frequent customer named Gadiel, who is really like, she's been crushing on him. They've been crushing on each other. There's a little bit of a back and forth playfulness there. And this clip is one of my favorites because it really demonstrates how we kind of blended English and Spanish in the show. It's funny without you understanding Spanish, like you can understand why it's funny because there's just like a lot of very quick back and forth. We use like sitcom style writing for this. All right, let's listen to this excerpt from Episode 3 of La Cabina Telefónica. No, 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 no. Gabriel. Matis, llamado al 82. Gabriel, speaky. ¿Qué tú quieres, hombre? Hola. Quiero hablar con Mati, por favor. Lo mejor de la música latina. Quiero hablar contigo. Dígale, dígale que estoy, que estoy busy. Y averigüe lo que quiere, porfa. Está busy. Me ha estos puntos de scope. Quería saber si Mati recibió mi buque y si tenía planes este fin de semana. Ajá, un momento, please. Dice que si te gustó el gran buque que te mandó y si tienes tiempo este fin de semana. <risa> This is amazing. Dígale, dígale que estoy enferma. Mati está enferma. Ay, ¿qué tiene? Eh, ay, no sé. Ay, what do I say? ¿Qué tiene gonorrea? ¡No! ¡No, no! ¡Gabriel! Esa es una expresión colombiana, como un insulto. Lori, I mean, this is comedy writing. This is a different muscle than the muscle you had been flexing. What did it require of you to really hone that skill? So I grew up watching telenovelas, and, like, the drama of novelas is very familiar to me. So even when I was writing Mija, like, there was a lot of drama in that show, and I wrote it with that vibe. And I realized that I, you know, talent for drama writing in that sense, feel like the drama and sad moments of being an immigrant. Like, I, I know, I know I feel that. But for this show, the energy of the space really gave us the opportunity to do a lot of different kinds of stories. And I really wanted it to be lighthearted because ultimately it's a positive thing connecting with family in this case. Doing the comedy thing was really hard for me at first because I was going in a very like specific dramatic cliffhanger at the end of every episode format. And then our lead editor on it, Jackie Pereda, she is a fantastic writer. She brought us like this comedy formula. She was- Share, tell uh, us, what is, what is the <laughs> device? What is the mechanism for doing that? It's like heightened sense of reaction. 
So every character has to come into the scene with like their main goal or purpose and someone else has to be either in conflict with that or is going to be reacting to whatever their goal and purpose is. So for example, one of my favorite characters that we wrote was Aguilo Perez and he's like a local lawyer that's just out there to make a sale. Like he is always looking for a client and whenever he comes in, he's doing like his sales pitch. Like he'll come in and say this week, you know, we have this deal on divorces and marriages. So you can divorce your wife and marry your girlfriend in the same day. And everyone reacts to him. And then like the main storyline would be like related to somebody, you know, dealing with a relationship problem because, you know, we kind of introduced this issue that Aguacalo Perez could potentially help with. It's like very situational comedy and that's what really like drives the show and why it's like bingeable because every episode is a different thing that happens to these different people. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. We talk all the time about how there's a growing Latina podcast audience, which means that in many ways, podcasts like Mija and Latina to Latina are familiarizing our community with podcasting itself. And so I have to imagine that something like La Cabina, which is expanding that out by being bilingual, by being a teleplay, it helps when it has star power, when it has a Fanny Lou and an Isabela Gomez. Was it a struggle to cast them? Or, yeah, I can't tell what your face is telling me. <laughs> it was a struggle. It was a struggle, not only because, I mean, we've done casting for other shows before, but it's also, I guess, like I had like a vision of the main characters in my mind. And one of the important things was that they be Colombian in some way or had connections to Colombia. And for lack of representation, the list is not very long. And it's true in the media and acting space, there aren't that many Latina actresses on one side. And then the other side is the relationship with Spanish is very particular for this show. So the character, funny, she's been in the States for a long time. She speaks English fluently, but she will always have an accent. And that's part of her charm. And the daughter, she came to the U.S. very young and so she's lost her Spanish. And that's something that a lot of people can relate to. We wanted to make sure that her journey with the language was also represented. And so talking to Fanny and Isabela about that and their like, you know, rapport with English and Spanish. And even though it's not exactly the same as the characters like Fanny or she speaks fluent English and Isabela's Spanish is impeccable. Both of them were like, yeah, I get what you're trying to do here and I will do my best to represent it. And that's that was so, so perfect. And, you know, communicate it not as a stereotype, but really as a lived experience. Like, yeah, I know people who talk like Mati. I know people who talk like Rossi. And I want to show them. And so because both of them respected that idea so much, it was ultimately like the dream cast. You moved to Paris in order to become this international journalist. But something else happens while you're in Paris, right? <laughs> yeah. That makes you stay. Yeah, I got I got married. <laughs> I married a French guy. All right. Now I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> you're not just married and living in Paris. You're also running a global company in Paris. What is that work environment like? What is the attitude around work? And how long did it take you to become accustomed to it? The first couple of years I was here, I 
definitely had the American mindset of work, 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 work. And of course, as an entrepreneur, you already automatically feel that way because you really want to make your company successful and you're doing the extra hours because it's worth it. That's the point. You know, you're doing it so that you can build something, right? Paying your dues. And that was the mindset. As I started my company, I realized that I didn't want to perpetuate that kind of American, like, hustle, hustle, hustle all the time perspective. I wanted to bring the French side of it. And the French side of it is something that I learned really through my husband and the way that he works and the way that just the French workplaces are designed here, which is that, you know, you work in the morning, you take a smoke break, then you take your second smoke break. <laughs> then you have a really long lunch, an hour and a half at least. Then you take another break in the early afternoon and then you leave 6.30 max. And you don't answer your phone after work hours. You don't email after work hours. In fact, there's a law about it. You're not supposed to. Like in corporate spaces, you have a work phone and you have a work email and you're not supposed to check it after hours. And there's like a real separation of work life and home life because they value that here. It's quality of life is above everything. The French believe that. That work isn't everything. You don't live to work. You work to live. And so I instilled that also with my team. And, you know, a lot of the people that we work with are former journalists that were working in newsrooms that had no work-life balance. And so making sure that they understood that that's what I believed in and that's what I wanted the team to have from the beginning was really important to making Ochenta what it is and why we have, like, a good work culture. My last question to you, Lori, which is, you know, we have a lot of creatives who listen to Latina to Latina who probably feel the same way that you do, right? Who am I, daughter of immigrants, first gen, to step out on my own and take on the risk of being not just my own employer, but an employer of dozens of others? What is your best counsel to that Latina, whether what she wants to start is a studio or any other type of small business? I would say don't get in your own way. I think everyone has this little voice that says, no, you're not, it's not worth it to do. Or uh, what if it's not successful? A lot of us are taught, well, you have to be successful. Like your parents sacrificed so much. And I a thousand percent feel that because yeah, my parents sacrificed so much. They're all working class people. My dad's a cab driver. My mom's a secretary. They came to the U.S. They tried to build something and, you know, they struggled. They struggled a lot. And um, saying, you know what, they sacrifice something for me also to be able to have the privilege to decide whether or not I'm going to do what I want. The privileges that I gained as an American to be able to like speak English and have this bilingual culture that I have, I'm going to use them for something greater. And recognizing that all of the trauma and all of the past things that could get in your way that are telling you, no, you're, it's not worth it. Those are actually the things that are going to make whatever you do successful because you know how hard it can be and you're going to do your best so that you don't have to struggle like that. It's like the driving force. It's like make the opportunity you want to see. And that's what I did. And I think that is something that should drive every Latina who is doing whatever project it is that they're doing, have that energy, positive energy of making something that not only your parents will be proud of, but you will be proud of. Lori, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. And thank you for this show. I have to be honest, I've been a fan of the show from the beginning. At my hardest moments as an entrepreneur, I listen to Latina to Latina. And yeah, it's just an honor to be part of this space that you've created for women. And thank you for inviting me. 
Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Cochin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.